Welcome to episode number two of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. Today we're talking to Laura in Seattle, Washington. The simple action that we can take after today's conversation is to change up our clothing by borrowing or trading with friends or family when we feel like we need something new. And if we have to buy, go to secondhand shops or small artisans, local boutiques, farmers markets, or even Etsy. So why do we need to do something different with our fashion? Well, fashion gives us an opportunity to uniquely express who we are and feel confident when we walk into a room. Yet mass production of clothing endangers workers' lives all across this planet, and it's destroying our earth, our forests, our soil, our water, even our air. And each of us actually has the power to make a difference. For detailed show notes and a couple of ideas to get you started in doing your clothing differently, visit fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash two. Hi there, this is Brandy and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. So with the internet, people can do more research into what they buy and why. And because particularly now we're celebrating individuality, I think humans are more geared to finding unique things than ever and not necessarily trying to do their style the same way they see everybody else doing it. That was Laura Choi commenting on how she sees fashion changing in our modern world today. Laura is the president of Fashion for Conservation. That's a nonprofit that is focused on empowering artisan craftswomen. I actually met Laura about a year ago when she contacted me about partnering on a project with my eco-conscious animal welfare line. And I was just really impressed by her from the second I started talking to her. I truly believe that Laura is one of the women right now leading the movement of changing the sustainability of fashion. Today, she and I chat about things like fast fashion, individual style, supporting indigenous communities, and how we can slowly begin to change our own fashion to still reflect our unique individuality, but be a little kinder to the earth at the same time. I was so happy when Laura said she would be on the show. I think she is just a wealth of information, and I learned a lot in our conversation. I think you'll find yourself feeling inspired and optimistic about the future of fashion after listening to this. Let's dive in. So I want to start with your kind of background. Is fashion something that you have always been interested in? Is it something that came about a little later in life? How did you get into it? Well, I got into it halfway through college, and I didn't go to school for fashion, at least not initially. I went to school for so many different things that ultimately didn't pan out. But about halfway through my engineering degree, it just occurred to me one night that I wasn't going to pursue that path as a career. And I was just stricken because growing up, I'd had so much dictated for me by way of what I was supposed to be doing 
And I always did music forever, but didn't want to do that and had extracurricular math classes. So it was just a constant ebb and flow of things I had to do and nothing that I'd really been passionate about and wanted to do by choice. So ultimately, halfway through school, on my college budget, I started getting into a lot of different fashion magazines. So a lot of major publications, of course, and journals. And what I saw in those pages were not just a lot of women, but fashionable women. And it had never occurred to me that leading a fashionable life was a conscious decision and something that required a lot of introspection and thought. And I always say that my transformation into who I am today and a lot of the security and confidence I have now came from being able to project how I feel from the outside in. And from there, I wanted to pursue that and encourage that for other women. So that's how I got into fashion first. It was sort of a crisis moment. And then from there, I went into actual corporate fashion. So halfway through school, I decided to do an internship with Nordstrom. I was in Chicago at the time, and I was still taking classes, but I would take the train back and forth and all kinds of inclement weather. And then after I did that, that was a retail merchandising internship. So I got to see basically being on the floor and also parts of visual merchandising. So how pieces are highlighted so that they're more attractive in a physical display. And then after that, I was still pretty, pretty sure that I was going to continue fashion. So I think I just walked into the Escada Boutique in downtown Chicago, and I just asked the manager if she would let me intern there for free. And she did. She's become something of a friend still. And I did everything from putting up the Christmas decorations to accessorizing and steaming and bringing clothes out for customers. And then that segued into Iscada in New York. And from that, I learned like that classic movie, Devil Wears Prada, that you as an intern in fashion will do the most unglamorous things. That there's a lot of talk of when you see in the magazines, that's the final edited glossy version like you and I were talking about. You don't see any of the behind the scenes of the drama with the steaming and having to haul these things up and down in the hot summer heat. I did end up walking people's dogs. It was a very, <laughs> it was absolutely a lesson in patience and discipline. And from then on, I came back to Seattle, which is where I'm born and raised, and worked in corporate Nordstrom. So mostly buying for men's, men's ties, tie pins, and dress shirts. So I got into fashion from a corporate perspective, but also because I was really looking for something that gave me passion. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that. And something that you said I, I think is really interesting to highlight is that a lot of times uh, fashion kind of gets a bad rap. But at the same time, I think we as individuals, fashion is something that really allows us to express who we are and really show up in the world in a way that mm -hmm. makes us feel good and allows us to, you know, kind of brings us that confidence. Yeah, I do think that style is so subjective and you can't necessarily get it wrong. Um, for me, it's been a mode of communication. I'm more introverted, so I feel like I have strength in how I project myself more than in what I say. So fashion has been that silent communication for me. And really, it doesn't have to stay the same forever. Being 
remembered for your style is better than being noticed, is my opinion. And certain elements of style have been anchored in time because it's reflective of that era, but it can change with the seasons. And I think that if you can express your point of view, there's been a lot of people, whether by virtue of their fame or notoriety or being cultural figureheads in history, they will lend their voice to causes that they care about, which is where this big shift in fashion has come from fast fashion, which I absolutely abhor, um, more to cause causes of fashion and people who are doing fashion sustainably for the purpose of trying to have a better story. And in some ways, there's an argument that it has led to more expensive fashion because it's produced organically or at a smaller scale or not in factories. But I think the argument, too, is the sustainability element is also not putting fast fashion in landfills or clothing in landfills that you wear for a couple months at a time and that come apart. So I think people are really waking up to the quality aspect, even if it comes with a bit higher price tag. And that's really to the testament of people who care about the planet. And that's been very inspiring to me. I think that shows even more confidence that people are ready to tackle more important issues and to use fashion as a platform to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see that too. I see that too. And I see things are evolving and it's it's exciting to kind of see, you know, I've I guess I've been watching it more closely over the past six years or so being involved. I really just kind of got involved in it myself about six years ago. And at the time it really seemed like um, the world was kind of really embracing fast fashion and, Mm. um, and things just looked really scary. And in, in every day, it seems like things are looking a little more positive. And I think to your point, a lot of people are out there, um, speaking for that and supporting that and bringing that about. I one step back really quick for anyone who's not familiar with what we're talking about with fast fashion. I do think that there are still some people who don't really even know what we're talking about. Can you describe that in a little more detail, what you mean by fast fashion and what you mean by the way that things are evolving? Yeah, I think for fast fashion, the reason it feels like the thorn in fashion side is Physically, it means expending a lot of energy, in my opinion, going down the rabbit hole of chasing trends. And the problem with trying to always be on trend, personally, is emotionally how you feel about it. Because often there's a pariah mentality if you're not on trend or if you don't have that trendiest piece. Obviously, it can be expensive to try to keep up with that, but it also makes you feel sometimes undervalued or accepted. So that's why I don't appreciate trends as much. I really don't see many redeeming qualities in fast fashion. And I feel that the greatest icons of our time were steady in one look that was inherently themselves. I think also what comes from that is an ease and elegance and confidence of feeling like you made something your own. Um, A lot of the, what I consider inefficiency with fast fashion is items wasting away in landfills, the kind of resources it expends to get rid of it, the amount of water and plastic and fibers that it produces to throw clothes away. It's really amazing though that it's done really a 180, even H&M is 
doing a recycling program where you bring your clothes in to get credit. Uh, it's one step closer in fast fashion. And even celebrities like Jaden Smith has this clothing line with G-Star Raw. And he makes what he dubs the most um, environmentally conscious pair of jeans in the world. It uses 75% less water to produce. So as much as I really felt that fast fashion has been toxic, I'm glad that it's at the forefront of people who have impactful voices. A lot of celebrities are coming on board with environmentally conscious fashion and people do care. So I say it's two sides of the coin and I'm optimistic about it. Mm, good. Yeah. You know, I, me too. Me too. And, and to your point, you do hear more and more big voices talking about it every day. I think I just mm -hmm. read one of the red carpets. There were a lot of people who were wearing consciously made, you know, dresses on the red carpet and things like mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. it feels like when those big voices speak, things move really fast in a different direction, yeah. which is exciting. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy that this era has found purpose and more thoughtful consideration of what is worth saying. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love the theme that is coming out of what you're saying too, which is finding your own individual style and finding mm -hmm. your own individual voice through your clothing and your accessories and not necessarily trying to be on trend, but but being you. And, and I love yeah. that thought. I love that idea. Um, and it really provides a lot of freedom in what you wear, you know, that's kind of find what works for you. And, and mm -hmm. I, I really like that. Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about fashion for conservation. So you have an organization that you run called fashion for conservation that, uh, mm -hmm. I think really embodies a lot of what we're talking about and a lot about moving forward in a really nice direction and vision for moving forward. So can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, actually to moving forward, we're going to be rebranding fashion for conservation okay. and it's affiliated now the brand with what we used to do, which was more of a fashion forward, high fashion couture look at sustainable designers. So these designers that were very thoughtful and care about the environment, they would come to us as their portfolio and we would work with them to create pieces inspired by different environmental campaigns. London is one of our favorite cities. That's where we launched Elephantasia. That was a collection of 15 designers who made silhouettes inspired by the elephant. So that was really interesting. The reception has been really good for that. But about a year ago, I started to feel like our mission was overtaken by the glitz and the glamour of the parties and the social media. And all that impact of image seemed lost to me without a true voice and mission. And so that's when I started to feel like the core substance of what we do needed to change. And instead of promoting this accessible fashion between the price points of like $700 to $1,400, I wanted to do something that did more for the environment and for women. So what we are starting to do now is focus more on the artisan initiative, and that is based in Peru. We've always worked with this organization that's tried to do research in Peru, prevent deforestation, support migrant communities who live there, and so what we're doing now is we're working with the women along the Amazon River 
and they're producing pieces by getting microloans from us for the equipment to make them. So they'll weave handbags, they'll find beads to create bracelets, earrings, necklaces. They use scales from the pesh fish to make earrings and paint on them. And there's been really good reception for promoting that handcraft aspect. Also, the women are now exposed to a greater global market. It's been tough for them to have sales restricted just to their community. It's very small, and the only people who tend to visit are those during the tourist season. So the rest of the year, which is about nine months, they don't really see any traction at all. I think what's also come out of this unexpectedly is that the men in the communities, it's still a somewhat misogynistic culture just by virtue of what they know. And in the seasons where tourists come, men will actually put down their own outdoor laboring type of work and go and collect beads and help women set up their weeding stand. So it's been, I think, a real progressive movement for women, even in a culture that doesn't know that that's happening all the way else in the world. And we're working with a couple artisan boutiques in Seattle who are carrying our pieces. They also carry those from other artisans around the world. So we get exposure to what that process is like elsewhere. And that's been really eye-opening for me and so much more meaningful. So I'm excited about the evolution. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And that's, um, wow, how neat to see such kind of like micro communities around the world and see how they're doing things and how it differs and how that that voice of those individuals comes through. How did you find this group that you're working with? Well, we got lucky because one of the co-founders of Fashion for Conservation has the organization. She's been running that one based in Peru and the Amazon rainforest for years, even before Fashion for Conservation was founded. And she's been really dogged uh, almost 12 months of the year to protect the relationships with the indigenous cultures. And they're pretty wary of foreigners. One big point in that is foreigners tend to come um, ruin their landscape and the natural forestry, and then often take their designs to mimic them overseas. So There's a little bit of a mentality of proprietary right, which I completely empathize with. But Samantha is so dedicated to their cause that she's able to navigate their hesitance in that. So we've been really lucky to be able to have her as that bridge between our cultures. Mm, Yeah, that's that's really neat. And, you know, it's interesting how that theme kind of spans so many different people. I think anyone who is creating something from inside themselves to give it out into the world, you seem to run into this issue of proprietary, Mm -hmm. you know, problems where it's taken and sometimes mass produced, sometimes, you know, sold much cheaper than you can do it, things like that. Exactly. So you describe how you're working with kind of a small artisan group and in individuals who are bringing about a different style, I guess, in fashion that's very unique to them and how there are different groups around the world kind of doing this, different smaller groups. And I see some of them too. Do you think that this is maybe a direction that fashion is headed, having, you know, so much more of these kind of little, um, pockets in all corners of the world creating fashion 
um, or do you see it headed in, you know, maybe a different direction? Well, with internet globalization and getting it into remote corners of the world, people, customers, business owners become more knowledgeable and they can do their research on what they want to produce and why they want to do it. And more and more, the why does become important as you see the conglomerates taking over or else completely going out of business, you realize that that central value of the why gets really lost because you try to satisfy everybody. And Thrasher for Conservation was that way for a while. And it felt that way to me too, where I felt like, okay, we're satisfying the need for customers to have fun events or to see things on our Instagram or seeing high fashion models because it's just visually appealing. But that's, I felt like it was starting to muddy what we were really trying to do across the world. And it wasn't getting our why across very well. So now that we have had that, we feel even more committed to bringing out the artistry of other artisan communities and having working with boutiques like Curaco here in Seattle, that's exactly what they do. They support specifically indigenous communities that might not otherwise have access to the international markets and specifically America. And I think that that is more and more the way things are going, not only because there's a competition of brands against brands, but also with the internet, people can do more research into what they buy and why. And because particularly now we're celebrating individuality, I think humans are more geared to finding unique things than ever and not necessarily trying to do their style the same way they see everybody else doing it. So it's a really great movement for smaller independent brands. It's more economic and sustainable to be making pieces at a smaller scale locally anyway. So in my mind, I really see it as a win-win for the environment, for people who are trying to be more knowledgeable about their fashion choices, and then the artisan communities too. Yeah, you know, as you talk, I'm, I'm realizing I see a lot of that here in LA too. You know, handmade markets are growing in popularity and it's not just LA. I see it, mm-hmm. you know, all over the US, probably other countries as well that, you know, that the handmade markets are growing, the support of small artisans is growing, the look for um, constantly looking for something more unique, but something that has a story behind it that you know you can get behind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see that as well, the changing around here too. I felt that about your brand too. It was very endearing. I think that's the word I think of. And you were also in the process of changing your name, I last recall. And you had these really cute printed elephant shirts for children. So I feel like you were very inclusive and when we interviewed you for our blog, you were talking about how that impact was so important to you. So kudos to you as well. I felt, I felt really good about reading about your brand and your family and how it came into being. And other people want to feel that way too about their fashion choices. Mm, yeah, thank you. And and yeah, for me, it has always been, uh, well, at least originally it started about making a difference for animals. And then it's like, as I got into that a little bit more, I realized, wait a minute, there's a lot in here that is important to think about the earth at the same time, you know, and it, Mm -hmm. it, um, I became pretty passionate through that about this subject, you know, very similar to what you're talking about. You know, there's, there's, um, 
I want to see meaning behind things. I want to see people working mm-hmm. to try to make the earth a better place. And it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, it is not easy to go against the grain and try to do things better, mm-hmm. you know? So have you, have you had that experience with what you're doing as well? Like things are not always too easy. It's, <laughs> it's can be hard. Yeah. Especially with, Well, I have to say, to everybody's credit, they've been really behind our mission and very supportive. But now it's a means of training the artisans to compete with our market. Mm -hmm. And there's a big teaching initiative behind that and also trying to dispel their fears of having their designs copied. So there is some resistance that is cultural and systemic there within Peru Besides that, as long as you have the right person on the ground who's very committed, I think that they're able to start that movement. And we have been lucky with that, but it's very difficult. Our cultures are so different that there really needs to be a strong bridge between the two. And that's our challenge right now. Mm. You know, it's funny. I I feel like that kind of applies to everything everywhere. (laughs) You know, in all reality, it's like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, very much so. And you need um, those people and that understanding and just a lot Mm -hmm. of time and patience and hard work to, to bring those things together. And then when they come together, it results in something amazing, like what you're doing, right. you know? Yes. Yes. That's appealing across all cultures, races, all of that. So it's it's going to be really good. And I remain optimistic about it. Hi there. I know jumping out for a quick break is not always ideal, but I wanted to quickly say thank you for listening and thank you for supporting For Animals for Earth. I also want to invite you to come hang out with me over on Instagram. I'm at For Animals for Earth, and I'd love if you would pop over and say hi. You can either comment on something or DM me. It doesn't matter. I would just love to connect with you. Now let's jump into the simple idea part of our show. So if someone is listening and this idea of doing fashion differently is somewhat of a new thought for them and mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they have this closet full of clothes, they're very into what they wear and they feel like, um, but I can't not get new things all the time because that's what makes me excited. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you share as kind of a simple idea to just start heading in a slightly different direction? Not a complete overhaul, but just stepping into a different direction. Right. Well, it's funny you say that because as soon as you brought this up, I started thinking about our founder. And what's interesting is she doesn't really have a home. She travels all over the world all the time. And I think, how can you do that with your possessions? And she tells me she really owns basically nothing, but she doesn't own any clothing. And so then I thought, well, what do you do when you travel and you need clothes? You can't just live in one outfit for the rest of your life. And she said that she's constantly borrowing it. So she'll she'll borrow clothing from someone. And often it doesn't even matter if it's men or women. So much is gender neutral now. And then she will just pass that along and share that. So it's really interesting. She'll do that all over the world. This sense of recycling and vintage fashion and a lot of secondhand fashion, I think there was a period when that was not supported or people felt 
negative emotions about it because maybe it almost seems like you would feel inadequate for not having a complete wardrobe or uh, you would be inadequate for not having a sense of place. But now that people are so much more accepting, I do think across all boundary and cultural lines, it makes sense to share. There's also a company here that does secondhand clothing and they make algorithms. They do this with tech. They make algorithms where they determine how often those early stories, particularly of women, start with sharing clothes. So for a lot of sisters, for example, and I have a sister, you share your clothes. And sometimes between mothers and grandmothers, you pass your clothes down. And that's become a really beautiful story, I think. And moreover, the recycling aspect, of course, is so environmentally friendly. And you do need good quality and sometimes higher price tags in order for something to stand the test of time. So for me, I am, I would not have said this maybe years ago, um, working in mostly luxury fashion, but now I just think, wow, that appeal of, you know, the traveling pants, like that story that just goes all over. What a story that it tells. And I think people are really intrigued by that. You know, that's, that's really interesting. And I love that idea. And you can see how easily it could apply to, you know, a group of friends, like, you know, every once in a while, groups of friends, friends of mine, um, just did this a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't make it, but they get together at, twice a year and exchange clothes. And so you yeah. get that boost, you know, mm -hmm. um, and your clothes get another life, you know, it's, yeah. 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 Yeah, and there's a lot of consignment online, too. That makes it easy. They'll come pick up your clothes, exchange, you get credit to other places, or else you get different clothing in exchange for yours. It's really interesting. The internet's really brought that about, I think. That's really, do you know off the top of your head a name of a business that's doing that? If you don't, we can add yeah. it into the notes. Well, I've started Real Real, so I've sold some pieces through there. And a new initiative they've had since this year is broadcasting how many liters of water you save by recycling. So they'll show the data now of the environmental impact your consignment has. And I've noticed also on Etsy, um, there have been a lot of statistics, specifically of smaller brands that come up and say, this is why we hand make things in this marketplace. And finally, I know that Nordstrom recently started their own in-house recycling brand, which is really cool. So you can bring pieces in and they will recycle them or consign them for you. So even it's funny, I think the bigger conglomerates are taking after the smaller businesses in that regard. I think so too. It's, you're starting to see that happen for sure. Definitely. Yeah. That's a way of the future. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, so Laura, if uh, someone wants to, what is the best place for someone to follow and see what's happening with Fashion for Conservation? We'll put all of your different links in the notes, but yeah, your number sure. one favorite place to send people would be what? Yeah, our website right now is still fashionforconservation.com. We're in the midst of changing the logo and the colors and the name, but for now that's still it. And then going forward, we also have the Instagram that will change the story behind that quite a lot as well and feature a lot more women in the indigenous community. So I would say those two specifically, the Instagram and fashionforconservation.com. 
Great. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. It was so nice talking to you, Laura. I so love um, where our conversation went and the different themes that came up and the ideas for people. I just, I think it's so helpful and it was just so great speaking with you. Thank you again. And that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please consider hitting subscribe, rating or reviewing us, telling a friend, any or all of the above truly make a difference. The more people we can reach, the more people I can find to interview and the bigger impact we can make together. Keep an eye on your feed. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thanks. Bye.